0: So we're in this, uh, this series at the beginning of this year. I told you, if you haven't heard it already, the Lord laid upon my heart this word for the year is activated. And we're going to talk about what it means to be activated in various areas of our life. And we know that the Bible says, guess what? It, let's just take a look at what the Bible says here. Go ahead, if you would, please. It says, James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like, all right? What, what a shame. What a shame to just to have that kind of short-term memory. Now, sometimes it's convenient for us to have short-term memory. Raise your hand if it's been convenient for you at a different time to have short-term memory, All right. all right? Oh, I didn't recall that. I didn't remember that, yeah, all right? But, you know, uh, here is a, is a moment when it's not good to have short-term memory or long-term uh, loss, you know, type of thing. But, but here, he saying, do what it says. We are supposed to be a church of action. We are not just supposed to be sponges who just soak up, soak up, soak up, and, and, and don't do anything with the information and with the power of God that has been transferred to us. Amen? Instead, we're supposed to be activated. So the last part of that, that, that passage says this, but the man... Who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this? It's not just a once and done. If you continue to do this, then not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Is there anybody that wants to be blessed today? All right? Then we got to find out what the word says, right? We have a problem, though, today in America. We have a problem today in American churches. How many know there's some problems in American churches? How many know there's some problems in Pentecostal churches? How many know some problems in assemblies of God churches? How many know some problems in Central Church? Central Assembly? Yeah. Really? Oh, you guys are blowing up my idea of what I thought of all of us today. I didn't think we had any problems. I didn't think anybody could even be challenged in this particular area. I got to quit saying that because you know I'm. I. I. I, I, It's hard to come out because I do know that, right? How many, it's, it's, you know what, the, the enemy wants us to sh- get to the point to where we just say, you know what, we get into this comparison mode and we look at ourselves compared to other people and sometimes we look at our accomplishments. We even could look at our history about how long we've existed. 95 years as an organization, as a church, right? And we're just like, hoorah! I mean, yeah, we've, we've made it! We've made it to What? We have to ask ourselves, we've made it to what? What are we today? It doesn't matter all of the past accomplishments unless we talk about where we're going to be today and for the future. And so every single person in this room who hears this message, or if you're going to be listening later by, way of video, uh, uh, by the way of the Internet or such, then go ahead and know that you have a responsibility, right, to respond to the Word of God. To become all that he wants us to become. And the problem with today is that we are not activated because we're not immersed enough in some of the greatest resource, one of the greatest resources that God has given to us. Can anyone think about what that is? The Holy Spirit is one of those, right? I said one of the greatest resources. The other is the word. The word of God. And so I want to talk about being activated in the Word today. There was a survey that was done by George Barna, and he sought uh, that sought to discover Americans' attitude about the usage of the Bible. And they went and uh, just uh, surveyed four different gen- generations of people, and they found out that most of the people who were interviewed or who were surveyed actually believe that the Bible is a sacred or a holy book. <laughs> Right, that doesn't really sound like a real powerful point of agreement. But at least they felt like most people believe it's sacred and holy. Not, so, not quite so with the people who actually felt like it was the word of God, but that it was a sacred and holy book. So it ought to be revered. The younger persons, though, who were, uh, who were surveyed in this particular study found that less than 20% of those young people would literally would read the Bible on a regular basis, less than 20%. They might think, well, that's not so bad, one in five. Just take the number that's in the room here today, not quite a couple hundred people, but, you know, I think, you know, we got so many people, one in five, thats like 20%, so that'd be like 40 people who's reading the Bible on a daily basis. I don't know if it's worse or if it's better than that. But what I do know in the society in which we live that there is a famine in the land. There's a passage in the Word of God that talks about the judgment of God coming upon. in Amos says that there's, there's, there's going to come a time. There's going to come a time where there's going to be a famine in the land for the Word of God. In other words, you're going to want to find it, but you're not going to be able to find it. You're going to want to have it activated in your life, but it's not going to be able to be activated. But that's not this time. Look at your neighbor and say that's not this time. The time right now is the time to be activated in the word. It's a time in which we can read it, we can eat it, we can soak it up, we can even become part like it. You know what I'm saying? We can be the word of God can be transferred through us out to other people so that they can be touched and changed. I want you to know there's uh, some pretty Uh, There's a a list of reasons why people don't read the Bible as much. I want to go ahead and give those to you, all right? One group of people said the Bible is just another book. It's just another book. People don't read the Bible today because they say the Bible was written so long ago it's not relevant to me. What good does it do me to read about historical events that happened a long time ago? third thing that people said is that the Bible is so hard to understand, I don't know how to read the Bible and understand it. Someone just asked me today, I get confused with all the different translations. They have actually thought that the different translations were different interpretations. And not understanding the different translations, a number of them are given to us so we can have a fuller understanding of the Word of God. Not to give a different understanding. Them them, them different translations that are out there understand. Some people just like, they want to be devoted to one thing, and and, and that's all that there is. You you don't have to be afraid of other translations, all right, that are verified, following after, referring to, going back to the original uh, transcripts. Some people say, I usually end up just feeling guilty when I read the Bible. Is that a nervous chuckle? Is that identification right there? <laughs> someone says, I need a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or someone to explain the Bible to me. Others have said, I have some real doubts about the real reliability of the Bible because it's full of contradictions. At least that's what I heard. They do not find out by themselves, but someone told them. You still believe that stuff? It's full of contradictions. Oh, really? I didn't know that. But now they do, right? Some people say that they don't read the Bible because of time. Between their job, their family, and their life, they just don't have time for the Bible. Ninth reason some people say they don't read the Bible is I have other things that if I am going to read, I would prefer to do that instead of the Bible. Being truthful, right? Or number 10. I don't see the need to read it on a regular basis. The challenge with all of those excuses or those reasons, especially for the church today, is that the Bible has been the central truth and the foundation of everything that we have and come to an understanding about who God is and what His plan for our life is. Not reading the Bible it's like doing what all of us, or many of us do, not all of us, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. But come through from Christmas time, how many have ever put some of those, those projects together after Christmas time that you bought for your, your children, your grandchildren? How many, raise your hand Have you done that, all right? And they send this thing called a what? A manual or instructions. And guess what? We just look at that, we look at the picture and say, I can do that. And maybe sometimes you can because you might be mechanically or, you know, engineer-like minded or something like that. But many times you'll find that you have extra parts left over. Or you don't have enough of something. And then there's those times when the manual is wrong as well too. But the fact of the matter, the fact of the matter is the manual of God is not wrong. Right? And, and we've been given this instructions in, about how to live our life. But the problem today is that we have bought and come right in line with a number of those excuses that people give for not reading the Word of God. I said this a long time ago, and and I I still am convinced of it. And it has to do, we've been talking the last couple weeks over activated in prayer and, and fasting. And I said if everybody was really convinced that it worked, you couldn't stop people from doing it. Let that just simmer, simmer on that for a moment, okay? If you were absolutely convinced that prayer and fasting or reading the Bible worked, we couldn't stop you from doing it. Hmm. I wonder why it is that we're not convinced that it works. I wonder why we will assemble together on a regular basis, many people all throughout the country, and they'll gather together to lift up our hands and to sing the songs and to worship Him and and speak about adoring Him and loving on Him and all those things. And then He gives us simple instructions about how to grow in Him, about how to become more knowledgeable in Him, and we won't do the simple things. Could it be in, because within our minds that we think it ought to be more difficult? Do we always look for the hard way to do things? Certainly, Lord, if knowing more about you could be ascertained or attained by just sitting down and spending five to ten minutes a day by reading this historical book. And you were convinced of it. Would there be anything that could stop you from doing it? To spend time with him, to seek his face, to pray. If you were convinced that it worked, could anybody stop you from doing it? Could you ever say, I don't have enough time? Could you ever say, I don't believe it's relevant? Could you ever say, I don't understand it? Well, there may be some challenges, right? But you would seek to understand it because you see what happens within the lives of the people who do This study of the word of God has got to become an increasingly prioritized way of life for us in the church once again. It has to be something more than what we just get when we come together on a Sunday morning. It has to become something that, 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 that we do. And I, I'm so challenged in, in preaching this message today because I'm so uh, of the mindset that until we get it, until we understand the why behind it, then it just feels like another list. A hit list of do's and don'ts. And and, and it seems performance oriented if you receive what I'm giving to you from the wrong perspective. So I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will help you to understand what I'm trying to give you today is a resource. It's not to bite or to hit you in in, in the head or knock you over the head. It's not to make you feel bitten and chewed up and spit out. But it's for you to take a look and evaluate and say, what in the world am I doing? Because I believe it's all too more, it's too, too common in the church today that we have this disregard for the word. Huh. Rabbi Zacharias, a well-known speaker in the Christian world, was traveling around and he was on his way to lecture at Ohio State University. And as he was being driven to the lecture, they passed this new building that was there on the university. It was called the Wexner Art Center. And the driver said, he said, this new art building for the university is fascinating. It's been, it's been designed from a postmodernist view of reality. So, Rabbi was like, okay, well tell me more. He says, it's a fascinating building because the building has no pattern. Staircases go nowhere. Pillars support nothing. The architect designed the building to reflect life. (laughs) No design. That's what life is supposed to be. Just a (laughs) free-floating all through life, just waking up and whatever the day brings, whatever comes my way. Staircases going nowhere, pillars, and and it looked cool. It caused for people to look back and say, wow, look at that. Look at the freedom that's in that. Rabbi listened to him for a moment and they had a question. He said, do you think that they did the same thing with the foundation? To which... This person thought for a moment, well, certainly not. How could, you, how could you have a building without a foundation that doesn't fit purposeful in the right places, within the right forms, and go the right depth? The fact of the matter is you can't. You can't have a building. Do you know what the Word of God refers to us as? We are what? The temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the building of God. He has taken the stones and made us into living stones and built us up one upon another to bring glory and honor to Him. But if we don't have a proper foundation that's built upon the Word of God, then how will we ever be a building that makes a difference or brings glory and honor to Him? The foundation for us is God's word. So I'm just going to deal with a couple things real quickly for us today. Why do we need to read the Bible? Why do we need to read the Bible? You, you've got to get your mind around that. Today. I don't know how much time that anybody spends reading the Bible. I haven't, I haven't quizzed you on a personal level, or at least I can't recall it. If we'd had a conversation and, and you've told me, I've already forgotten it, all right, about how long that you have spent reading the Bible. But I can tell you I've talked with enough individuals who have a hard time doing it on a regular basis that it's an epidemic within the body of Christ today. Now some other church in our church. So why do we need to read the Bible? The first thing is this. Go ahead, show me that, please. The Word helps you to know the will and the leading of God for your life. Really? To read about a historical event that took place all those years ago is going to help me to know the will and the leading of God for my life? Consider this. In Psalms 119, how many of you know that David was a man after God's own heart? <laughs> yeah. And he wrote a, he, I mean, God inspired him to write these Psalms. I mean, a number of them. Maybe not all of them. But but it, it's amazing. But Psalm 119, clearly given credit as far as from David. And his personality comes through, inspired by the Holy Spirit to pen all these words. And he writes this, Psalm 119, the longest book in the Bible, 176 or 78 verses. I forget exactly what it is. I mean, it, it's amazing. But You will find in this particular chapter, this particular psalm, this this identifying characteristic that's repetitive over and over again. And we're just going to get to a little bit of it, all right? First of all, the, the focal point of this particular verse is this. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Your what? Your word, what we're talking about, right? We're talking about his, why do we read the word? Because it helps us to know his will and and his direction for our lives. And right there the psalmist says, it's a lamp to my feet. It makes clear the things that I couldn't see if I didn't turn the lights on. And a light for my path. Now, here in this verse, he talks about the word. In, in verse 106, he says, uh, he says this he says, I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. Once again, a re- reference to the word. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, O Lord, according to your word. Go ahead, give me the next one. And he says this He says, Accept, O Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your what? Wow. Your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your Law, the wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Right? What is that? That's the word of God. Right? Go ahead. Show me the next one. Your statutes, or it could say your word, are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set. Someone wants to know the key of being like David? Being a man after God's own heart? You've got to have the heart of David. David. The heart that says, my heart is set on decreeing your, cre- your decrees until the very end. My heart is set on it. The very makeup of who I am. The, 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 when we speak of our heart, we're speaking of where our emotional uh, the, the energy comes from that motivates us to keep going. And he says that the, the word of God comes into our mind and renews our mind but transforms our hearts things we think the things we feel the things that we express and David says I want you to know something my heart is set on it it's set on decreeing those making keeping your decrees until the very end keeping your word until the very end i am convinced that God has so much more for us than what we many times will ever move into. There will be seasons and times in our lives when we go and we, we're we on this high, we're on this spiritual high, but there are so many other times where we're just kind of waffling and, and wave, through, waving through life and, and just kind of getting hit by whatever comes our way and not realizing that we've been given an authority and a power and we can look at those events that are happening in our life and we can start to speak to those things and say, I'm not sure how this is gonna bring Glory and honor to God, but I'm sure of this that I will be the representative that will respond the way because of the Word of God in me that gives Him glory and honor. <laughs> That's what the Word will do for us. If you're not disciplined in the Scriptures, then you're going to be basing your life upon godless myths and old wives' tales. You will be listening to the world around you that has a disdain for God. Jesus himself said, the world hates will hate you because of me. Why would we be concerned about what the world has to think about what we do in our faith or in our, in our faith walk, in our spiritual relationship with God? You can't look to the world to get guidance on that. I hear people quote all the time stuff that they think comes from the scriptures. Just one thing. There's one thing, you guys, you've probably heard it before. Maybe I'm going to give some of you some information you may not have had before, right? God helps those who help themselves. Right? Show me the verse. It's not there. I'm not saying that anybody should be lazy. But that particular passage isn't there. Instead, we're unable to help ourselves, the Word of God says. When man was unable to do anything, when you were lost, when you were dead in your sins, that's when Christ came to you. That's why we can't believe these old wives' tales, these, these, these myths, these things that come up with. It's important to realize that we've got to know what the Word of God says. What did Jesus say? You need to know what he says. Because otherwise, you're just like that VCR. Everyone remember VCR. Know what a VCR is, alright? Yeah, videotape. But the, you know, and I don't think they even have them on the DVD players anymore, but they've got the, the, these clocks, alright? No one knew how to set the clocks on the crazy VCR. So what time did your clock usually say? Twelve o'clock. It just kept blinking there. There all the time, right? Right, right? Oh, I'm old school, I'm dedicated, I'm loyal. There's some people who say, everything happens for a reason. Now, I mean, well, that's not Bible. That may be a deduction of what someone has. Everything happens for a reason. People say that and they, they, they think that the, there's, there's God up there, the authority in our life, who this completely horrific thing has happened in your life. And you say, well, God obviously is doing this for some reason. Everything happens for a reason. How many of you know that that God has given us the ability to make choices? He's given us the ability to choose to serve him or not to serve him. And he's also given that ability to other people. And when other people who are in your life and in your realm of influence choose to do things that are not godly, and if you're close enough to them, there's going to be a little yuck-yuck that's going to get on you. Hello? Do you realize that? If you spend too much time with people, whom are making decisions that are not right, that are not righteous, that are not godly, and and, and that wave, that 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 splash over, all that stuff is going to start to get on you. (laughs) That's a whole other message. All right. (laughs) Everything happens for a reason. I I think really what we're talking about is that all things work together for the good of those who are called to God, right? Who are loved and according to his purpose, right? He's got something that's working. It doesn't mean that everything that's happening in my life is what God meant to have happen in my life. But it's happened because of where I've been, the decisions I've made, and, and, and all kinds of other things that played into it. Now here's the thing. Here's the kicker. God loves me so much that when I fall on my face and I humble myself before him and I recognize the mess that I've got myself into, God will find a way to reach down in that miry clay and he'll grab me by the hand and he'll pull me up and he'll say, listen, I've got the plan for you. I just got to reroute you a little bit. I got to get you back on that path. But I've never, he will tell you, I've never stopped working all things together for your good. Hmm. Here's the thing you need to understand. We've got to have right thoughts and attitudes about God. Because it affects everything we do. That next slide says that I believe everything you think, say, or do is driven by what you believe. Think about that. You came to church today because you thought that your car was going to get you through the snow. Some people didn't think that. They're not here. I'm not picking on them. I'm just saying they thought. And what you say or what you do, it's driven by what you believe. There's, a, there's another part to that. Go ahead if you would, please. It says, so what we believe should be based upon the word. The word which is unchanging. Unchanging. Which is, has purpose, which has plan, which has relevance, which does something in me that I can't always explain. But when I eat it, when I partake of the bread of life on a regular basis, he fills me up. The word, the word. Oh my goodness. It's so important for us to remember that and to know that. That, 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 the word I'm speaking of there is, is the scripture. It's the written word. But there's another part of the word that I want to share with you. And, and it has to do with the, the time when you get a word of the Lord for you. How many of you ever received a word from God? All right. You felt like he spoke it. It may not have been an audible voice. But you just heard it so deep in your knower that you're like he was giving you some direction. He was giving you some guidance. And then some other events that started, that that, that God loves you so much he wants to bring confirmation to you. He started to bring other confirmations in from other people. And then, oh, you may have went and you picked up the word and you began reading it. And then all of a sudden you wonder, you wonder over and over again and say, my goodness, that devotion that I just read, that scripture that the Lord just read, that was just for me right now. And we think it's just by happenstance or coincidence, or you're out and about and you're doing something and and you see a scripture verse flashing at you somewhere and you think it's just a coincidence. I'm telling you something. God's got a word for you. And he's not always communicating it in that time when when you sit down through, through, through reading the scriptures. But he's got a word and he wants you to listen to him when you're spending time. You're, you're praying to the Lord he isn't always just giving him this, this uh, shotgun approach or this, uh, this um, uh, automatic weapon approach. An assault weapon where you're just like spitting out as many words as you can up to heaven. That's not prayer. Prayer is sitting and listening sometimes and pondering and and meditating oh that's what the psalms did meditating on the word <laughs> this um opportunity to be able to hear the word of God is 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 absolutely vital and critical to us growing in him Rabbi again he says this he He was ministering in Vietnam in 1971 and he had this interpreter by the name of uh, Hein Pham. Pham. (laughs) I'm not sure how you say that but that's how I'm going to say it. (laughs) He was an energetic young Christian and a translator and he had been working with American forces for some time and uh, he had traveled the whole length of the country with with Rabbi and he had uh, been very faithful to him. But when they were, were out of the country, when they had to go out, uh, eventually, you know, we as America left there, and uh, he was left in the country. He, 17 years later, he gives a call to Rabbi, and he wants to update him on what's happened in his life since he had to go out of the country. And in this call, he tells us about he was in, how he was imprisoned for and, and accused of helping the Americans, as he did. And his jailer tried to over and over again indoctrinate him against the democratic ideals in the Christian faith. And he said he was restricted to the communist propaganda and the daily deluge of Marx and Engels and began to make his toll. And he thought, he began to think, he said, maybe, maybe I have been lied to. How many of you know that that can happen to any of us? You get the wrong stuff being poured into you over and over and over and over again. It's a, it's a lonely place, and you might begin to doubt, all right? That's why it's so important to, to consume the right stuff. And so he said, maybe you thought, I've been lied to. You. Maybe God does not exist. Maybe the West has deceived me. And so he determined, he made a determination that he was going to wake up the next day, and he would not pray anymore or think of his faith. That very next morning, he was given the task, the dreaded chore of cleaning out the prison latrines. And as he cleaned out a tin can that was overflowing with toilet paper, his eye caught what seemed to be English printed on one piece of paper. Now, how many of you get queasy stomachs? Just go ahead and close your ears for a moment. Okay, no, no. Don't, please don't. But take it in. This would be PG, all right? You can imagine where this is going. He hurriedly grabbed that piece of paper, he washed it, and after his roommates had retired that night, he retrieved the paper and he read the words that were on there. From Romans chapter 8, verse 28, the verse that I gave you just a little bit ago, trembling he began to read and he said, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. For I am convinced that nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Hein began to weep. He knew his Bible. And he knew that there was not a more relevant passage that he could read at such a time as that. In which he would be there on the verge of surrendering his faith. Giving into the pressures that were around him, and God Almighty sees him where he's at and gives him a word from heaven that came by way of the trash can in the filthy latrine. Hmm. He cried out to God, He asked for forgiveness. It was the very first day he wasn't going to pray anymore. And after finding the scriptures, he got this grand idea that I'm not so sure all of us would have accepted as a word from God. And this grand idea was, I will volunteer to go and clean the latrines on a regular basis. In hopes that I will find some more word for He found out that an officer who was using that latrine so disregarded the word of God that he was using the Bible as toilet paper. But it mattered so much to him that where he would find it, he would clean it out. He would pull it away. He would would dry it out and he'd begin to read it again. And rather than looking at that as a horrible situation, that if God, you love me, how could you allow me to be in this situation? He looks up and says, God, you love me so much. You see me in my situation and you send the word to me. You send the word to bring me back to life, to stop me from dying again. Listen, not everybody's going to understand your commitment, your loyalty, your dedication, your hunger for the word. But what would happen if all of us here, we can't be in control of what happens in other churches. We can't be in control of everything that happens in in all of Muskegon. But we can be in control of what we do with this message right now. And you can determine, is the word of God that important to me? Do I need the word? Why do I read the Bible? Is it giving me personal direction? Is it showing me God's will? I believe it will. The second thing is this. The word will bring life course correction. Praise team, go ahead and come on up here if you would, please. It will bring a correction. There's a story of a family who was Went out on a family reunion and they were on a boat. They were down in the Gulf of Mexico. And the fish radar that they had, and the fisherman who was their guide was showed them. They traveled over this particular area of water and over this this wreckage that was there. There was just schools of fish that was there. It was amazing. Like, oh my goodness, let's stop, stop, stop the boat. I want to catch some fish. And they threw their hooks out right away and their lines out. And, and uh, they began to pull them in for 10 minutes. 10 minutes, they were just like, just loving it. It was happening. It was great. And then all of a sudden, it went cold. No one catching anything. Where in the world could have all those fish gone? They were grouped up there. They could see they were stationed in that area which then the captain revealed to them, well, we have drifted 100 yards away from that. We've come a 100 yards away from where the fish were. I wonder if that might be what's happening in the church today. We found a hot spot. We threw out our fishing lines, got some fish, and then we weren't aware of how we drifted because we weren't in the word. We're not in the word. Jesus had a particular occasion when some Sadducees were trying to set him up. You can find this this occasion in Matthew chapter twenty-two, and they're having an argument about if there was a resurrection. They came to him and they said, "Teacher," they said, "Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and have children for him." And now there were seven brothers among us. The first one married and died. And since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second and third, right on down to the seventh. Now, what are you thinking if you're like that that fifth brother? (laughs) Everyone who marries her dies. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to do that. (laughs) But here's the thing. He says this. He says, right on down to the seventh. Finally, the woman died. Now then at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven? Since all of them were married to her. And you know what Jesus said? In verse number 29, he says, You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. The word of God is to bring correction to us. But if you don't ever read it, if you don't ever consume it, if you don't ever value it, how will you ever be corrected? And you're like, well, what need is there for that? Why do I need to be corrected? I looked in the mirror and everything looked okay. Remember our verse that we started out with? But what are you doing? What are you doing since you looked in the mirror? Have, have you, you only You look in the mirror so infrequently that you don't realize that there might be some correction that's necessary? How about we let the word of God be the mirror for us? How about the Word of God? Rather than society, rather than another church, rather than another Christian. How about don't be going and looking at other people and calling that your mirror. How about getting in front of the Word of God and saying, reflect upon me. Show me the image of the man that I'm supposed to be. Help me to become what you have in store for me. The discipline of the Word will make you sensitive to the things that that disturb God. The things that need to be rooted out. The things that need to be taken care of. That selfishness. That unforgiveness. That attitude. That haughty arrogance that we have. Who? Who me? saying goes, yes, you. The words act as a mirror which allow us to keep. And see ourselves as we really are. And so we can become what he wants us to be. Too often though, we won't make those corrections. Because we don't know what we're supposed to look like. Because we're not looking in the mirror of the word. We believe this so.